My name's Jackie Doherty. Um, I'm from the East Coast, from Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Very, uh, very competitive where I'm from. Always playing sports. I had a lot of friends, um, mostly through sports. I lucked out with sports, came a lot of friends. Um, didn't have to work very hard to be good at things. I was very lucky. Um, I had a really good childhood. I uh, grew up with a single mother. I was the only child. Um, my Her parents, who were my grandparents, and her, her grandparents, who were my great-grandparents, we lived in a three-family house, so I got to live with uh, a few different generations. Yeah, I had a, I had a real beautiful childhood. Um, in middle school, I grew up without a dad, so I kind of... I had my grandfather and my great-grandfather, but they were so old. I mean, not so old, but they were old, so they couldn't really do things with me that a younger, like a father figure would. So when I was in middle school, my um, I had a teacher who was also my coach, who I uh, ended up getting close to, and he, um, I needed a father figure, so I chose him, or he chose me. I'm not really sure how it worked, but um, it turned out that he was... Uh, that he was just a predator, and uh, I think he chose me because I was a sing. Uh, I uh, I was an only child without a dad, so um, that turned into its own thing. Uh, I dealt with uh, a lot of sexual, mental, and emotional abuse with him. I never told anybody. Eventually, uh, way down the line, because I didn't say anything, it happened to 11 kids after me, and eventually one of them told their parents, and. Uh, I was approached by detectives at my house one day to ask if I would testify, but I was using a lot of drugs, and uh, the statute of limitations isn't that isn't uh, isn't that long. It's like three to five years, and it was ten years later, so I was really no use to anybody. Um, but yeah, that was it was a long time ago. But that's where uh, those feelings and the stuff that came of that caused a lot of depression and uh, post-traumatic stress, and uh, that's what actually. Drugs actually saved my life. I would have committed suicide if I never found opiates. Opiates helped me self-medicate and deal with uh, mostly that stuff and stuff from my childhood. Yeah, my drug use came from that. I didn't know, uh, you know, I didn't stand up for myself, so I believed I was a coward my whole life. I didn't know what it meant to be a man. Um, if I was worth anything, felt like damaged goods. Um, I believed when I walked into a room you could see it written all over my face that I had been abused and that I wasn't worth anything and that I had nothing to offer. So, I mean, a lot of insecurity and self-consciousness came from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, drugs made that go away. Opiates made me forget that anything had happened to me. They made me feel like uh, everybody liked me. I didn't actually I didn't really care what you thought once I found opiates. I. Uh, I believed that I was the best thing that ever happened to anybody. Um, I thought I had the power to change people's lives. I thought that I was God's gift to women. I, I became a really bad person, stealing from my family, my grandparents. The day my grandfather died, who was the most important person in my life, um, I waited till the ambulance and my grandmother and everybody left from the house, and I went and stole my grandmother's checkbook. Uh, I started taking $1,400 every other day to support my drug habit, and uh, I mean, that's where drugs took me. I uh, I didn't really care about anybody or anything, uh, especially myself. And uh, without being able to care for myself, I really have nothing to offer anybody. Um, I mean, I probably didn't believe that I was addicted to drugs or that I was a drug addict until um, probably until I was homeless. It, it. I mean, I'm not. 
I'm not a stupid person, but it takes a lot for me to admit that I can't fix things on my own. Like I said, I'm selfish. I think that I'm special and that I have powers that really are inhuman. So I, it takes a lot for me to, to actually let something sink in. I'm allergic to bananas, but it all happened all of a sudden and I kept trying to eat bananas. I was like, I've been eating bananas my whole life and until I actually has to, had to be hospitalized because of the allergy, I mean, I kept trying. I don't accept things very easily. I think that I just have a very competitive, um, vindictive, uh, I wanna do things that other people can't do. Um, you say I can't do something, I'll show you. Um, very rebellious and a lot of denial. Um, when I was 23, I, uh, that, was when, that was when I was stealing money from my grandmother. Um, I had a full-time job. I was with a girl who had a full-time job. Um, but I, uh, my addiction was at the point where it was costing um, $600 a day just to not be sick. And um, I wasn't making anywhere near that much money. So for two months, I was taking $1,400 every other day from my grandmother. Um, and it, the first month's bank statements, I was able to get my hands on because we lived in the same house. Um, but the second month, they came in and um, they gave me two options. They said we can either press charges um, against you for stealing all this money and for fraud, or you can go to, you can get treatment. And um, it wasn't a very easy decision. I mean, I tried to talk my way out of it. I tried to say I'd go tomorrow, uh, but they made me give them all the drugs and money that I had on me, which um, I gave up most of it. Um, but yeah, I had to accept to go to a hospital and, um, and go to my first treatment and uh, really didn't want to. I tried, uh, my aunt and my cousin took me and I, I threatened to jump out of the car a couple times on the way and uh, I was just being a real jerk to people who loved me and uh, you know, they were crying and I was crying and, but yeah, I, uh, I accepted involuntary treatment. Um, yeah, that was my first of, um, first of many treatments. I've been to 18 treatments, three psych wards. I had two overdoses. I mean, the statistics are stupid. I don't even know how I'm still alive, to be honest. Yeah, after my first treatment, I think I was in there two weeks. I thought that um, I felt good. It was the first time that I had been off of drugs for two weeks. I mean, in four years at that point. Um, and I felt like they had given me the knowledge that I needed to outsmart my addiction. I. Uh, Stayed clean for about 74 days, which was a miracle. But um, and I ended up smoking some pot, and uh, it didn't give me the high that I remembered. And um, I knew that if I did some oxycotton with the with the pot, that I would get the high that I remembered, and I did. And I was, I mean, I was off and running again. And I didn't get treatment again from when I was 23. I didn't get treatment again until I was 28-ish. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was, um, every day was the same. Every day I was just, I was really just working so that I wouldn't get sick. Um, every day I was lying to somebody, breaking somebody's heart. Um, it's honestly, I don't remember much of that. Every day was, the, every day was the same from, from 23 to, to basically like 30. It's, I don't remember much of that. It was just. It was just stealing, lying, 
um, manipulating people. Um, people didn't really have a face at that point. I just saw what they had to offer. Um, I really had no purpose and no, I wasn't on a path to anything. I was just, I mean, I was just existing. I didn't have any life at all. I, um, I didn't hang out with my friends. I missed, I missed weddings. I missed the birth of um, my best friend's first children. I missed family parties. Um, I missed funerals of loved ones. I, uh, I, I mean, I was not, I, I was not present for anything. The only time that I would go anywhere was if somebody was there that had drugs to offer me, or if there was money somewhere that I thought that I could get my hands on, then I would go. But. Besides that, you couldn't get me out of my house. It, it was pretty pathetic, to be honest. When I was 30, um, when I stopped having a home to live in, that was what began to show me that I had an issue. Um, I lived in my car for about eight months. Um, I mean, I'm six, I'm six foot one, and I was living in a little Honda Accord. It wasn't comfortable by any means, but um, I thought that I was okay. I mean, I thought, hey, I mean, at least I have a car. Um, and I, I was perfectly all right with living in my car as long as I had heroin. I, um, I can, I, I began to start, uh, trying to intentionally overdose and, um, it, eventually it worked and, um, that was what actually, uh, that's what actually made me seriously know that I needed help because, um, I mean, that never really sank in until I overdosed and I, I woke up in the hospital not knowing what happened and, and then thinking that, like, who do I think I am to take my own life away from my mother? My mother's given up. My mother never brought home a boyfriend because she didn't want me to think that she thought another man was more important than me. Like, my mother gave up literally everything in order for me to have the life that she believed I deserved. And so who am I to take who am I to take that away from my mother? I mean, my mother's the most important woman that I'll probably ever have in my life. Um, for me to just uh, recklessly try to take my own life because I'm just too much of a I'm too much of a coward to deal with life on life's terms and um, holding on to something that happened to me as a kid and using that as an, that as an excuse to take my life away from my mother is. Um, wildly inappropriate and uh i just i mean thank god that i realized that it took me a long time i mean i didn't realize that till i was 30 years old my mother's been taking care of me for <laughs> since i was born and uh i'm her only child i mean she just wanted i feel like she thought like a lot of people think like love is enough if i just show them enough love if i if i just do anything that i can he should see that it's worth not using drugs. I mean, until she told me that I can no longer come home, until she told me that, listen, I understand that you're living in your car, but you're just not welcome here because I, I don't feel safe when you're in my house. Because I, I, she would go to sleep and I'd take her debit card and take most of her money. I thought it was okay if I left a couple hundred dollars. Um, felt like I was justified. As long as I didn't take everything from her, then I wasn't really being that bad of a child. Um, until she had the courage or until she found whatever she found inside of herself to realize that she had to cut me off completely. Um, I mean, she'd always answer the phone. She'd always talk to me. She'd always tell me she loves me and that she wants me to get better, but she just didn't understand.
like most people, I think, they just don't understand in what way to help somebody like me. Um, love isn't enough, man. It's just not enough. After that overdose, um, I had a clean friend who had five years clean. He brought me to detox, and he made me promise him that, uh, that I would do somewhere between 30 and 90 days in a program. Um, and at the detox, I was, offered, uh, I was offered a chance to come out to California um, on a scholarship. Um, but I, I, I didn't know if it was real. I didn't know at that time what a scholarship meant. Um, but I knew that he needed help. Um, so we talked a lot, kept asking him if it was legit. And I remember one time, um, he has a mature voice and he sounds like an older gentleman on the phone. And one time he kind of like, uh, to me, it sounded like he broke character and he was like, listen, bro, I'm trying to help you. I'm not going to put you in a place that I wouldn't put somebody that I care about in. And when, uh, it might sound silly, but when he called like when he, when he stopped being so polite and like called me, bro. I, um, I could relate to what he was saying. Um, there were times where he said, hey, we're ready for you. And I said, oh, you know, I'm not ready. I still have drugs left. And, you know, I, all he could really, I don't know if he said it, but I heard it. He probably didn't say it, but I just remember thinking, hearing him say, just don't die, bro. Call me tomorrow, just don't die. Whatever you do, don't die. Let me help you. And um, eventually, uh, the day came that he said, we're ready for you. And I said, I'm ready. I mean, I had no drugs left. I had no money left. I had nowhere to go. And he, uh, a driver came and picked me up. I decided to trust a man. Whatever it was inside me that accepted that man's help, he, um, he got me into the program. Uh, they attempted to help me detox, but uh, being the type of person that I, I am, I, I refused all medications because I wanted to suffer so that I would remember my detox. Um, but from that day forward, there were guys in that program that, um, that told me that they would love me until I learned how to love myself. Everybody on the surface seemed nice and I accepted that for what it was. And, um, it really, from the start, um, my life changed a lot and it's, I think it's been 158 days. I came in, uh, came in on June 6th of this year, 2017, and um, I mean, from that day, from that day forward, my life's only gotten better. I don't have, you know, I don't own a house, I don't own a car, I don't own much, I own the clothes I'm wearing, but um, it's, it's a lot more than that. I, uh, I'm comfortable looking in the mirror. Um, I don't tell myself that I'm a piece of garbage that isn't capable of being loved. Um, I don't mind looking in the mirror. There was a point in my life I didn't look in the mirror or brush my teeth for four years. I would change my clothes every two weeks. Like I, um, I had no self-worth. Um, today is very different. I am working on loving myself. Um, I, I show love to a lot of people, whether, um, whether I really like their personality or not, it's really, um, it really doesn't matter today. Um, I believe that I have a lot to offer, which is, I have never said that in my life because I always thought that that was arrogant or um, like I was boasting, like I have something to offer somebody. But today, through a lot of work um, and all because I decided to trust a voice on a phone that told me he had my best interest at heart and begged me to let him help me, um, that decision has changed my life in ways that I really don't even know how to put into words.
I'm very lucky. I mean, extremely lucky to have people that have stuck with me. I mean, my family never, my family never gave up on me. I'm very lucky. I mean, they would shut me out when things were bad, but that was just, you have to do that. I mean, they still loved me, but just from afar. Um, the only way that this is gonna work is if you figure out me. The only way it was gonna work for me is if I figured out why, even when I'm clean for eight months, I decide to go back and use drugs. When I feel emotional pain, even though I'm clear-headed and I know what's gonna happen if I use drugs, why do I still make that choice? And, and for me, it was I just, I was so emotionally immature and I did not know how to handle any form of pain. Um, so that was just my natural go-to. For 13 years, anything I felt, I would just immediately use heroin. And uh, so that's my default thing. Today, uh, I, I mean, I believe things have changed, but it took a lot of work and a lot of honesty. And I had to get vulnerable with people that I didn't know if they were gonna hurt me or help me. But I, I, just, I just needed help. And nobody could hurt me any worse than I hurt myself on a daily basis. So eventually it was like, I, I had nothing to lose. I could only go up from the bottom. I chose, uh, I chose to reach out. Luckily, I reached out to the right people. Uh, two weeks ago, one of my really good friends from back home that um, I have a half a sleeve of a tree tattoo, when I go home for Christmas, he was supposed to finish it. He died two, uh, I think two Mondays ago or two Fridays ago. Um, and he was a veteran of the Afghanistan and Iraq war. Like this, I lose people all the time. And I, unfortunately, I no longer cry. I no longer am surprised. And um, it's sad, nobody, sh nobody should feel that way. Nobody should feel nothing when somebody that you care about dies. But um, addiction gives you an attitude of better than than me, unfortunately, and it's tough to say, but that's how I feel. I mean, I, I, can, only, I can only save me, I can't save anybody else. If I could save other people, I wouldn't be here. I'd be out running around in the streets just screaming, hey, I can help you, just come grab onto me and I'll save you, but it's not like that. I wish it were. My name's Jackie, and I stand for recovery.